This is the Women's Retail Collective Podcast, where I, your host, Anne Mazinga, pull together retail's most influential women to talk about their careers, how they made it to senior level leadership, and how they're leading their organizations through the rapidly evolving retail industry. This podcast is made possible through the support of our sponsor, Arcel Pending. Don't just improve your customer experience, make it special with Buy Online, Pick Up and Locker by Parcel Pending. Purpose built to meet retailers' unique needs, this smart delivery solution seamlessly integrates with existing order management apps and systems to make BOPUS faster, safer, and more flexible for shoppers. To learn more, visit parcelpending.com. Today on the podcast, I'm really, really excited because I am joined by Sabide Burkett, the division vice president at the giant companies. Sabide, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I'm super excited to be here. Well, so usually I start the show um, asking people what their first job in retail was, but you didn't start your job in retail. Um, tell me a little bit about you know where you grew up and kind of how you got into this industry. So yeah, I uh, was born in Iran and I grew up in Iran until the age of 13. Um, and up to that point, uh, both my parents worked and my Mom is actually a pharmacist and my dad was a bank executive and uh, we moved to a whole bunch of different cities in Iran for my dad's job. So I got to see um, a lot of the country and um, I spent my first five years in school in five different schools. (laughs) And um, wow, where, where were you? Like five different countries or like traveling throughout? Yeah. Cause my, you know, my, my dad had a thriving career and, and we would follow it. You know, she, he would get promoted and go to a different city and we'd just go with him. And uh, my mom um, was a pharmacist. So it was easy for her to find a job wherever he went. So, um, you know, at the, at the time, I think I didn't like not having uh, my steady group of friends in school and, and, having to reacclimate to a whole new environment. But like everything else in life, I think it set me up to uh, adapt to change and make my way in new circumstances. So it turned out to be good. So then at, at, at 13, we all moved as a family to Dubai. And uh, I lived, yeah, I lived there until I was 17. And then I came to the United States by myself to go to college. And um, how was that? I mean, I look at that 17 year old and I think she just didn't know anything. And that's why she was so excited. <laughs> it's just, just fearless because I just couldn't imagine anything going wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, did you know anybody in the U.S.? Was it, or no. was it just, I'm going to college. This, yeah. is, this is it. Just okay. sat on a plane. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what did you go to college for? Like, like most young people, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And thought to myself, well, engineering sounds really cool. So I started as an electrical engineer. And uh, after I was beaten to submission by calculus, uh, (laughs) I decided to follow my mom's path and switch to uh, pharmacy. So I ended up graduating from pharmacy school. Um, and, And, you know, that was a family tradition. We had, my cousin was a pharmacist. My mom was a pharmacist. Okay. 
Yeah. And, and are you, so then you graduate from, you're still in the U S you graduate from pharmacy school. How, how did you decide what's next? I mean, were you thinking about going back? Were you like looking for jobs around here? What, where, where were you at that point? I was in Connecticut uh, and I knew that I wanted to stay. And so, um, Walgreens gave me a job right out of school. So I became a pharmacist for them and, um, it was great. Um, I thought I was going to be a pharmacist forever and ever. Uh, I loved the job. I loved the whole patient care aspect of it. Um, I spent a lot of years being a pharmacist and later in sort of, as I kind of became a better uh, pharmacist, that there was room to understand the business side of things too. So you were at Walgreens, you started out at Walgreens and then were you starting to learn the business elements of the business at Walgreens and then make the move to Walmart or how did that take place? When I started um, working for Walmart, um, there um, there was this synergy, you know, there okay. was this click that um, they listened to my ideas. They were um, excited by some of the things that I was doing and it was um it was a natural fit that I was, I was good for them and they were good for me. And, and that's why my career thrived, you know, with Walmart for so many years, looking back at my career, I learned so much being just a, you know, a pharmacy manager. Uh, I learned to have the patients be a central figure, caring for them, knowing about them, understanding their needs, just the importance of what I later got to call a customer, you know, a patient, you know, and um, as a pharmacist, you take an oath to take care of your patients, to, you know, do everything you can uh, to protect them. So, that sort of innate importance for the person that was on the other side of the counter um, really went far for me, you know, starting from that platform of healthcare. As, as you think about how that kind of translated from this career in pharmacy to a career in store operations, I mean, what were some of those early things that you were working on um, as you kind of made that transition? The work in pharmacy, um, was actually looking back, like I said, was was the perfect um, education ground, you know, for okay. a larger career. Um, like I said, taking care of the patient was the of the highest and most important priority. And I learned that um, having a process is what makes that happen. It's not about okay. having a good pharmacist or a good pharmacy technician. It's about having a really good process that everybody understands and knows how to follow it. Um, so that was a really great learning and, and, um, you know, I always work to refine and perfect the process so that no mistakes happen, you know, um, because the best of people with the best of intentions in a chaotic process, you know, can make mistakes. Right. Um, I also remember relying on my team and learning to rely on them so heavily, uh, with, with, uh, important jobs. Um, and that really taught me how to train them and how to delegate to them, how to set them up for success. Then what happened? So are you moving at that point fully into like the, is it store operations and merchandising? Like how did you move out of pharmacy into, into that, uh, division at Walmart? So within the pharmacy, which they called health and wellness at Walmart, I, um, became a 
pharmacy district director, which meant I managed um, several pharmacies, uh, okay. I supervised several pharmacies. And then from there, um, I became a health and wellness director. And that was when they merged vision centers and clinics into the under the health and wellness umbrella that also included pharmacy. Um, then from there, I became a, a divisional director, which um, I supervised most of the state of Pennsylvania uh, in all of their pharmacies, vision centers, and the handful of cl clinics that we had. Um, at that point, um, about a couple of years into that role, um, I wanted to continue to learn. I was yeah. hooked on the whole <laughs> learning something new every few years. And um, kids were still younger, you know, and I yeah. didn't want to uh, uproot them. And so I wasn't relocatable. And uh, so I decided to take a chance and uh, going into total store operations, um, which allowed me to be in the same geographical area, uh, but do something very different. It was clearly a completely different business, learning the business, sure. you know, learning okay. the entire business and the different components of it, the seasonal trends, the customer behaviors, all of that was really different than what I was used to. Um, learning what things were important, you know, and what things were not, what things to pay attention to. Um, I had a really good team and they taught me a lot. And um, it was the scariest decision of my professional career because I was leaving something that I was super comfortable with. Right. And um, going into uh, a space that um, was really unfamiliar, big and scary. <laughs> right. Right. Who I'm, I wonder when, when you were trying to make that decision, who were you consulting? I mean, how did you make that? Were you talking to friends? Did you have mentors oh, within yeah. Walmart? Like what did it yeah. for you? What, who did you rely on? Yeah, I did talk to friends and certainly family and, um, most everyone was against it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of you. I know. Yeah. But, uh, but I did have a, a very strong mentor at Walmart who, um, really encouraged me to take it on. You know, and let me know that uh, leadership uh, by itself was the winning ingredient, you know, right. and that you can learn everything else and that, that I had transferable skills that I shouldn't be afraid. And How did you feel about it? Really scared. <laughs> I, I was really scared and I was moving forward despite being terrified, you know, right. and um, but after a little while in the position, I start to find my footing. You know, and I realized that, you know, he was right, you know, and there was a lot of things that I could contribute and bring to the table. And as a matter of fact, uh, I have found that people that come from outside of a business often have this very uh, interesting and out of the box um, perspective on right. problems that potentially have stayed there forever. The elephants in the room that no one else sees, you know, they tackle on um what needs to be tackled without being burdened by this um, chain of the ideas of the past. And, and so I did, I felt like I was uh, very much um, enjoying and learning, but also contributing. After you kind of got your footing there, how long, how much longer were you at Walmart and what kind of things were you doing there? That was the regional uh, health and wellness director was my last um, 
health and wellness role at Walmart. And then I uh, did the director of operations for um, about maybe three years after that. Um, okay. Yeah. And then I was ready for something new again. <laughs> and so well, what was it? What, what was calling you at that point? I came to Giant, to the Giant Company. <laughs> and what was it about, about Giant Companies that drew you? It was really interesting to me that um, they had this heritage and this culture of uh, food and grocery that was really deep into the communities. Um, it almost made them like a small startup business, right. but also they could leverage the size of the larger organization. So it seemed like they had the best of both worlds. And, um, and I also had um, friends that had worked for the company that spoke very highly, you know, of uh, their practices, their values, their culture. And um, so it turned out all to be right. You know, so that was, I'm really happy to have moved. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, going back to what you just said earlier about having that kind of outsider's perspective, I mean, coming from a giant company like Walmart and being able yeah. to go into, you know, more of a, a startup kind of culture or, or a, in an, really in a new category, you're, you're going into just grocery at this point. Is that That's right? right. Like, yes. Just grocery. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel like you had that opportunity again to bring this outsider's perspective or? Completely. Part of what uh, has made my career be successful is taking those chances and going somewhere different, whether it's uh, within the same company or moving to a different company and having, bringing that fresh perspective to, to work. And, you know, um, it works, change works. <laughs> well, so now you're leading store operations at giant companies. Tell me a little bit about what you know, especially I love asking this question, but what the last year has been like for you, because um, we just did a podcast with the CEO of a company called Corso, and he described stores as having to be like a Swiss army knife this last year. Like you had to learn very quickly how to do curbside pickup, how to pick from stores, fulfill from stores, like how online ordering was going to operate. And I'm curious what your, your experience was leading this team through the last year, I mean, it seems like it would be quite an undertaking. Yeah, yeah, it really was a year that uh, no one could have prepared for, or or foreseen, or put contingency plans in place. Um, and to be honest, I am I continue to be astonished at the level of agility and care that uh, Giant provided. It, it was we did things that in a normal course of business, going through layers of approval that are you know, ordinary to any business would have taken a long time and we accomplished them in 48 hours. You know, wow. Just because you had to deliver, you had to stand up and say, this is, um, this is what we need to do. And it really brought forward the power of people gathering around a common intention, mm -hmm. right? And, and really putting all of our, efforts together to make something happen. Um, yeah, there were several projects that um, looking back, I sincerely can't believe we launched successfully uh, to support the stores in 24 to 48 hours. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it was uh, really thrilling, uh, really anxious at times. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can imagine. And, um, and really uh, the go, go, go uh, was for everyone, I think, you know, but it was yeah. also a lot of camaraderie that brought us together. How are you preparing your teams for this, this next kind of post pandemic grocery yeah. world? At some level, we have to sort of come back to the center a little bit, right? Because uh, right. that level of intensity is not sustainable. But the lessons that we've learned from that will never be forgotten. You know, I think we've learned some things that uh, we have already put to work and will continue to put to work as, um, as we move forward. As far as innovation is concerned, do you feel like now because you saw some of those changes in 24 to 48 hours, do you think that culturally that we're going to start to see a shift in those types of ideas? And even, I guess, ideas that you're getting from your, your stores teams, like are, how are those coming up to you and how are you kind of working yeah. with, um, with those stores? Cause I imagine the lines of communication had to be more open, I guess, to make things happen at that pace. Absolutely. How do you kind of see that unfolding? So, um, the giant company has been uh, focused for the for a long time on um, making not just life and work easier for our team members, but making shopping experience better for our customers through innovation and technology. We've learned to be really thoughtful about um, not sh- chasing shiny objects, you know, and and doing things that. Um, actually serve our purpose and they're actually what our customers want. Um, And that takes a little bit longer, but to your point, the pandemic has really helped us become more agile with our e-commerce business, with lots of other things, you know, that um, we've been able to push forward. I wonder as we look at uh, at the years that you have ahead uh, at giant companies, is there anything that's kind of on your bucket list as we emerge from the pandemic and you really start to plan for, for what you mm-hmm. want to accomplish in your role? I have, um, I am blessed that um, I get to be purpose-driven in this company and sort of identify what my purpose is mm-hmm. and then find ways to both help the company and help our customers and help our team members while I'm fulfilling my own purpose, you know? So I've had that pleasure and that autonomy and that's really been fascinating because, um, you know, for example, I have a passion for sustainability, you know, and um, I was able to implement sustainability practices, team up with technology, uh, you know, partners in technology that brought forward new practices with sustainability and implement those in our stores. Um, I think I'm going to continue to look for those opportunities to just be open and see where the roadblocks are, see where there is a need, where there is friction that I can resolve and then look for the solution um, to make work easier for our people you know, in the stores. I love that point of, of kind of finding your purpose in, in your work. How are you, how did you kind of determine what that was and how do you try to put that into practice? Cause I think that's something, especially for the workforce coming in um, is, is more important to them maybe than position or pay right at this point, but really doing work that serves a purpose. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you were able to do that. Yeah, so I actually went through some formal workshops 
okay. <laughs> to find my purpose and okay. wrote a lot about it, spent a lot of time with introspection with colleagues, mm-hmm. mentors, um, because I felt like that was important. And that's really the, um, that's really a powerful nugget to have as a platform mm-hmm. um, to do things, whether it's at work and, and it really impacts uh, all of one's life, right? To walk in with your purpose and, and see where you can be based on that purpose. Um, yeah. Um, but it was, to be honest, it was hard work. It was hard work to, (laughs) to figure out, like to, uh, look at my, the entirety of my career and my personal life and, and see what things have clicked with me. What are the things that I have really wanted to do? You know, what is it still that I want to do Mm -hmm. and what is it that draws me and what's the commonality between all of them, right? What's the shared, um, idea in all of it. I mean, is it as simple as just identifying those areas at work? Like once you get there, it's that it becomes clear once you've established your purpose. It really does become clear when you're in a meeting and you know who you are and what you bring to the table. And like, if you've identified that you're the change agent, you know, and, and, you know, so then you're not bashful about sort of pushing back or finding a new way uh, because you know that that's your role. That's your purpose here. When you look back at, at what you've done with your teams um, in the last year and your career overall, do you have any advice that you would give to somebody who's, who's trying to figure out what the next move is or what the opportunities might be for them in, in the retail industry? If there's anything that I want to leave, especially the young women, you know, in the industry yeah. with, is um, to, it sounds somewhat ordinary to say, but it, it really is true to not hold back on being themselves and, and not hesitate on that um, and really resist the urge to become, um, to gravitate towards the middle of the bell curve, whatever that is in, in an aspiration mm. to become ordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, Because their, whatever they may seem as their edge may be the very thing that makes them special. And um, being, being yourself is really, really the only gift we have to give the world. So I would encourage them to fearlessly be themselves. That I love that, that advice. I, I have so enjoyed speaking with you today and I'd love to close on this one question Um, and that is, you know, if you look back at your career all the way to the 17 year old departing Dubai for college in the U S, um, if you could look back and write a thank you note to Mm. one person who has impacted who you are, where you are today, who would you write that note to? And what would you say to them? That's, that's a tough one because there's many, you know, I've been the lucky recipient of much good advice and guidance and um, help along the way. Um, but I would say that um, I would send a thank you note to my dad hmm. uh, because he was the first uh, person to um, embrace change in pursuit of what he really wanted and took risks. And, you know, he was the one that um, um, let me go, you know, and, and trusted me into a different country, you know, and 
um, I think I've always um, had that inclination that it's going to be okay, given what he did. Um, and that's why I was able to take risks. But like I said, they're professionally, there's a lot of people that I could help and that they have given me really good advice. And some that have given me really bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> important, important yeah. to note too. But no, uh, no, seriously, it is important to note because I think one of the worst things we do is we take everyone's advice, you know, and we're not selective about whose advice we take. And, and But in any case. <laughs> well... Every day, I have no doubt that your dad saw in you what um, what all of the people listening to this podcast and watching this, I'm sure, will see. Um, you're strong, courageous, and uh, that's continued and served you so well, it seems, in, in your career so far. And um, and you've listened to your instincts and you followed them, and I, I really admire that about you. So thank, thank you. you so much for your time today, and um, we'll be we'll be following your work closely. Best of luck to you. In the year to come. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending time with me. It was a lovely conversation. If you could hold your own concert with three bands, dead or alive, who are you choosing? I would, I would choose. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I would bring the Beatles. Okay. Oh, you know, that's, like you can't go wrong with that. No, I would bring Frank Sinatra. Is that a band? It's just a person. That's right? okay. Doesn't matter. Okay. This is your concert. This is you my concert. Rules. Yes. Queen. Oh, that <laughs> that one that one that one the concert series for me. I'm a huge Queen fan. Oh, that's amazing.